So, Wimpy, you were talking about uh, video games. My friend, if you're going to get into games, guess what? New Humble Bundle 12 is out, and they are finally, once again, rocking the Linux support. And there's some good ones on here. There is Gone Home, good game. Uh, Luft Rosters. How do you say that, Eric? What do you think? Uh, Luft Rosters. Let's take a little look at this one. Let's see what this is about. Because I think this is mild fantasy violence. Uh, all right. All right. Oh, that all was right. a fun game, actually. Yeah, I got really into that for a while. Luft Rosters? Yeah. If it's when I think it is side scrolling. Uh, oh, game. this actually looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's super game. Okay. Short, All right, so, it's actually a little short. No, that's actually not a bad thing for me. It, is it like the airplane flying around in there? Yeah. 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 That's not bad. Okay, so then you've also got Hammer Watch. Let's take a look at see what. Okay, Hammer Watch is an overhead game. You got Steam World Dig that I, I I've heard a lot about this. I actually oh, yeah. have that one. Uh Papers Please is also an Here's watch this one. This Papers Please is a great game. Papers, please. It's like the whole game right there, too. Well, that's sad. Mm hmm. Yep. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> Denied. What's funny about this is I have worked in, uh, U.S. Customs Facility in SeaTac Airport, and <laughs> Rikai says this would make a good mobile game. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see that. Yeah, I can see that. All right, so let's see. We got uh, this is pretty good. All right, so should we check in to see how the funding is doing? You know, I always like to look at this, right? I always got to see how we're doing. Uh, oh, all right, we got to watch the video. Come on, they've always got the crazy voiceover guy. Let's see That's what we right. get. Gunpoint. Where's the Get Hammer Watch. Here we games go. On Windows, Mac, and Linux, DRM free and with Steam keys for one low price. Introducing yeah. Humble Indie Bundle 12. Okay. It's pay what you want, DRM free, cross platform, and helps charity. Pay any price and get Gunpoint. Making its Mac and Linux debut. That's always cool. If yeah. things go according to your stealth plan, the guns won't ever have to come out. <laughs> cool. <laughs> hammer watch. Leaving dungeons unexplored. Not on my hammer watch. <laughs> oh my god. And Steam World Dig. I ain't saying he is Steam World Digger. Do you think in addition to Steam World Dig, there might also be a Steam World Reddit? <laughs> Pay over the average price and also get Luftrousers. Luftrousers. Come fly the unfriendly skies. That looks crazy. <laughs> You're the man now, dogfighter. Papers, please. Hey, what's the big ID here? I always remember to bring papers. Looks like a short drama called Lady and the Stamp uh, and uh, Gone uh, Home. Uh, Lady and the Stamp. That's hilarious. Should I rummage through these private documents? Have you played this? Well, you know no. what they say when in home. Pay $10 or more and get prison architecture. Oh, look how he did that. Prison is what you make of it in this game that features architecture with conviction. Not adding it to your bundle would be a crime. 
As a special bonus, everyone who purchases this bundle for $65 or more will also receive Whoa. an exclusive merch package. That's new, right? Brought to you by Fan Gaming. Is that a floppy disk? Plus, a customizable portion of each contribution will go towards the Child's Play charity and the Electronic Frontier Foundation. This promotion only lasts two weeks, so be sure to tell your friends. Like this video on YouTube, Facebook, share it, tweet about it, and gobble up all our Google marbles like a hungry, what? hungry hippopotamus. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what? Oh my. Have they ever done the swag thing before? So let's see. Okay, now let's take a look. Uh, a look at this. The top donator right now is uh, is a Bitly URL. You know, for two hundred bucks, that's not a bad ad spot. That I, no. that'd be actually that's worth two hundred dollars. Oh yeah, uh, if you put a URL in there like that. Um, so okay, here we go. Win- average Windows price seven dollars twenty one cents. Average Macintosh price eight dollars eighty four cents. Average Linux price nine dollars. Represent sixty nine cents. Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that's not yet chained down by the wrist to proprietary hardware. My name is Chris. My name is Matt. Hey, Matt, guess what? 57 episodes in a row, buddy. Big 5-7 already. Yeah, now, now we're like ketchup. You know what? That's cool. It's cool to be like ketchup, Matt. And, you know, to help us celebrate being tasty like ketchup, in studio, producer Eric. Hey, Eric. Hey, Chris. How you doing? Good. Are you feeling like Heinz 57 today? A, a little ketchupy, a little vinegary. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. You and I are on uh, marathon broadcast in marathon broadcast mode still because That's we right. did that uh, Apple thing this morning. Yeah, that'll be in Tech Talk today. It's yeah. probably going to be out. Probably posted while we're recording. Yeah, it was, a big, it was like a two-hour show. Yeah. It was a big show. It was, it wow. was huge. Yeah, it was a big show. Like encoding nightmares at Rikai. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, takes, it takes extra processors. You yeah. got to have more i7. We need more. All of the i7. Well, uh, coming up in today's episode of the Unplugged Show, we got a lot of ground to cover. We have a little make good from last week. We didn't get a chance to talk about DNF. We're going to do that in the latter half of the show. We also have, I know you're going to think it's crazy. You're going to think I'm nuts. we got to talk about SystemD just a little bit more because I think I figured out where all the controversy is coming from. I think I've isolated it down. I think we can finally put this topic to bed once we just get it out there in the open. Who's stirring up trouble? Why are they stirring it up? I think I got the answer for you. We're going to talk about it in today's Unplugged. Call them out. Put it on the record so that way we as a public can move on from all of this shenanigans. Uh, so we're going to talk about that in the show. And then our mobile room joins us to talk about Open Media Vault today. I mean, we're supposed to, at least. We'll see how that goes. Yep. They did, they've been doing a little Open Media Vault uh, review, and uh, they've been preparing to come on and talk about their experiences with Open Media Vault. So, mobile room, time-appropriate greetings to you guys. Welcome to the Unplugged Show today. Whiskey. Hello. Whiskey, yes. yes. Whiskey. <laughs> Leave it as cookies. Wimpy, are, are you ready to talk about Open Media Vault today? Are you excited? Oh, yeah, really. <laughs> Wow. Someone hold that man down. Free Naz, everybody. Yeah. So no. review over. Free Naz. No. No, 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 not exactly right. the right person to be asking in case he gets overly excited about nothing. That's you know? true. That's... I, I, I didn't want to give away my true feelings uh, too early on. That's in the show. true. That's... Well, let's see. Uh, let's start with our first email. See if we can get to uh, the true oh. feelings behind talks. Uh, Travis wrote in to Linux Unplugged. He says, "Hey guys, I saw a Wired article on a little piece of pro- uh, a little project called Utalks." And I found it to be an interesting concept. Any plans for highlighting it during an upcoming show? Now, you guys are probably familiar with Talks. It aims to be a Skype replacement that's secure, encrypted, and it's more like a protocol where a front end could be written for it. And Noah, you were just saying a little earlier you were experimenting with Talks. What was your takeaway? 
Yeah, so a cu- me and actually a couple other people in the mumble room um, tried to, got talks installed and started using it. And I want to say first, I think it's a fantastic, I think it, it, it's it, the potential for the project is fantastic. And I think it's a fantastic idea and I think it's going fantastic directions. However, it's very much not ready for uh, daily use, at least not from my experience. Hmm. Um, we were able to establish a call. Mm, we were okay. able to have a conversation and that worked really well. Um, unfortunately, to get that call, I had to have my client already open and waiting for the 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 thing to pop up because the notification didn't work. That was in GNOME. Um, I couldn't even get it installed. It wouldn't even install on fourteen oh four. What, like I said, once it got connected, I, we were able to have a, a conversation, and that worked for about five or six minutes. And then the entire client would crash, and I would have to start all over. Again. Yikes! In the middle of a call. Yeah, right in the middle of a call. Oh, uh, group. Uh, group uh, conversation like a, like where more than one person was connected in yeah. the call didn't yeah. work at all. Group chat worked okay, um, but the like single one person to one person chat also would crash after like five or six minutes of use. Yikes! So you're so, saying it sucked? <laughs> well, I'm here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that you, you know it's it's one of those things where when I'm sure once they get once everything reaches stable and it and it gets and it gets released, yeah. I'm sure it will be a fantastic project. It just it's clearly not where. You know, for example, Skype is today. Of course, yeah. it shouldn't be because how much longer has, right. and how much more money has yeah. Microsoft yeah. have to develop Skype? Yeah, yeah. Yep, well, it's early days still for talks. doing it a little bit wrong here. Talks is more of a client, no, a server and a yes. protocol. You're yeah. judging the client, one of many. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Fair this, enough. Although his experience sort of echoes experience with the other talks clients. I think just, I think there's a, I think the underlying aspect of it's still moving. And I think, of course, the top UIs. You're right. It's more like, it's more like uh, HTTP in a sense. It's, you can have multiple web browsers that can browse the web. You can have multiple talks front ends. But that might, oh, yes. I'm not, I'm not, uh, this maybe is going to be a data point to this, to this potential. But I, I think maybe what we're seeing here is this is the wrong approach for this type of product and service. I think you need to have a client that is integrated at the same time with the back end. Like it, the two things shouldn't be developed in a vacuum. I don't. I don't that's, think that's so, absolutely correct. You know, we. This seems yeah. like you have to have if you, when you put when you build a feature into something that the back end can support, the client needs that, absolutely. and you have to be able to you know then see how the client responds to that and adjust the back end to how do you how can these two separate things be fully feature compatible how will they ever sync up in terms of what the back end can do versus what front ends can do and etc it seems well you're you're absolutely right in order to have the back end work you have to have a front end that works with the back end and if the two do not work together then what's the point what do you think daredevil so they they are actually from what i understood and i tried all the clients listed on the page uh, toxic is the client yeah. that is being worked and doing that's, that kind of iteration that you're talking that's about. That's the one I like the most. And that one never failed in doing any of the tasks that it already says it does. So it only doesn't do audio yet. However, it does already the other things really, really well. And I think it's on progress because they are trying to refine it step by step. Other clients are focusing on the experimental uh, API that it's available for the toxic library, to, to, to the actual protocol. And I think it is actually the right approach if we want this uh, uh, um, protocol to propagate. Like, there's already people working on, that I have knowledge of that are working on a WebRTC uh, proxy that goes mm. with Tox. So you can use your browser to communicate with the Tox client, which is but amazing. WebRT- WebRTC already works fine, so why does it need to be integrated with Tox? So you don't have to use two apps. 
So oh, you okay, have gotcha. your browser and people can use their own desktop application or phone application, which works. We've also, uh, I featured a couple of QT-based uh, talks cl- clients, but... Uh, QTalk seems to be the one that actually uh, performs best under most circumstances and tests, Yeah, um, in my experience. It's just, to me, so far away from a Hangouts or Skype replacement right yeah. now. It's just, it is not production ready, and it's there are tough. people who... There are people who start Google Hangouts and then leave them running all day long at their workplace. It's got a long way to go before it's ever going to hit that level. But maybe for for enthusiasts, enthusiasts that are just kind of messing around with friends and stuff like that, it's probably getting close to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And toxic. But I do have to say, I didn't experiment any kind of crash at all. Maybe because I built all the clients on my distribution. Set up actually installed. Mm. That's good theory. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Uh, let's do a follow-up uh, from Sven. He wrote in on the Linux Action Show on Sunday about uh, setting up his home server. And my main concern was he had a, he was using like three different distros in his house, mm. and he was using CentOS, but he was kind of a Linux noob. And I was a little worried that he might be spreading himself too thin. So Sven writes in with some follow-up. He says, hey, guys, thanks for reading my question. I thought I'd get back to you on the questions you raised. So regarding the server OS, my reasons for choosing CentOS over CoreOS or OpenSUSE is primarily academic. I researched CoreOS extensively and would have opted for it, but was uh, what got me using CentOS was that I am, from time to time, called upon to manage Linux servers or a few at work, which is really stressful when you suck at it. Since all of our <laughs> Linux servers and firewalls run CentOS, I decided it was in my best interest to become more versed in that OS. Once I'm comfortable with Cent, I'll probably move to Core. Yay, Docker. That's a great reason. Yeah, that is a great reason. It's an excellent reason. Yep. Uh, so uh, on the topic of using three different distros at home, and my concern there was like, well, if you're going to use CentOS, maybe you should just use CentOS. That way you just learn one thing. Uh... And so he says, you're probably right. And I feel the same about keeping things simple. But I think for the time being that my wife will need to acclimate to Linux in general. I need a distro that was both easy to use and visually attractive. An elementary OS represented the least dissonant experience for her as a first-time Linux user. My long-term goal is to empower her to choose her own distro, yes, and even command line if she wants, and while it would be nice to see her on OpenSUSE, I want her to learn a distro that she considers home. Uh, and then he says, shh, that way I can claim ignorance and won't have to answer questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> regarding backups, so he says, my current backup strategy is rudimentary at best. Since things are still in development, I'm using a series of Python scripts adapted from my old Windows server. They package things into BTSync folders. From there, it gets uploaded to SpiderOak. I need something simple that worked right away, so I haven't really given back as much attention they deserve at this time. Any thoughts? Well, that's not bad. What do you do for backup, Eric? Oh, well, what I do is I use just Deja Dupe and I back up to a SSH server nice. on my yeah. uh, home server. Deja Dupe's a great way to go. Oh, yeah. And in this case, you could back up to the folder that Spider Oak is backing up. I like, yeah. I really yeah. like Spider Oak as my backup system. Yeah, that's a good one. It, you know, I, I have very little experience with Spider Oak, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what are you playing with anything backup wise these days? Well, I used to use Spider Oak, but it just it was so so bloaty. It, it is just, slow. It was just like, oh yeah, I do yeah, feel like the like, UI is really maybe that's why I didn't yeah. use it. Anymore. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I mean, for me, it's like it's really bloaty. So I've been kind of bouncing back and forth. Um, at one time, I used to use Jungle Disk. One time, I used to use Spider Oak. I think right now, I'm pretty much married to kind of going with a BitTorrent sync uh, mm-hmm. to a specific box in the house and spread it all I over the place. Something yeah. yeah, yeah. Until it's, I figure out yeah. something a little more permanent, um, I, I'm kind of in between right now. Part of my backup strategy is the fact that I got copies of stuff everywhere. Uh, yeah, that exactly. is. I mean, it's not a great <laughs> backup strategy, but it is part yeah. of it. Yeah, it saved my bacon the other day. I actually accidentally deleted my music folder. What? Yeah, I accidentally. Thank oh, wow. God, though, I had a BitTorrent sync over to my tablet. So did you catch it before it t- synced the 
the deletes? Or? I sure did. Oh my gosh, are you hustling like a fool over to your well, tablet? Here, here's the funny part, is that BitTorrent Sync what, hadn't been running for some reason. So I went ahead and just grabbed the SD card out of my tablet, put oh. it in my computer, just dropped them all back, created, this, created a new sync. Yeah. Jeez Louise. I totally looked out on that one. I like Daredevil's approach where he says, I just swap out hard drives. Yeah. That's a way to go, like too. That. Yeah, that's another way to go. That's not a bad idea. There you go. No, I, I actually... I, yeah. It, it's simple. It works for me. I just have uh, yeah. one for, yeah. for video, another for music, and get done with Yeah. You know, I always want something automatic. Yeah, I want something automatic. Yeah. So that's why um, BitTorrent Sync keeps my constant syncing yeah. going on. Yeah. But then Deja Dupe does my once a week backup. See, because, yeah, the BitTorrent Sync isn't really a backup because it could have synced the delete action. That's right. It could have synced the delete You got action. lucky. I got real lucky. Yeah. I got well, real there's two things that BitTorrent Sync has going for you in your favor. One, um, there's unless you actually manually set it differently, there is a delay, a, f- a fairly yes. significant one. Yeah. And the second thing is the fact that unless you decide to turn off it, turn this off in your folder preferences, it will actually keep a uh, archive. Of that, what you, you, just yeah. you get the revision. Yeah, that's true. Well, oh, also, you get the revision. That's no, true. isn't that what that is? Isn't that what, it's like a it's like a revision copy so. and you can restore? I've never it. explored it. Uh, I was just like, oh, it took up too much in space. In Deja Dupe, it is. Um, in oh, BitTorrent Sync, though, it's going to just completely it does whatever just you've got. It, it does, yeah. Now, wh- the, where I lucked out n- is that it wasn't running on my tablet. Right. It, Ooh, so <laughs> it wasn't running on my tablet yeah, yeah. right then. Yeah. It was running on my computer, but it was not running on my tablet, so I was able to just copy it. See, I've over. always... So the, here's how I use BitTorrent Sync uh, yeah, um, is I have... Obviously, I have to have machines that have write access, but the majority of my machines are, are using the read-only key. Yeah. So that way, I so I never I never delete on the remote end, really, almost yeah. ever. Well, I have no reason to either because I mean, it's basically I'm just playing back the music. I'm not yeah, exactly. Anymore for me, there. it's like clips and stuff. Yeah, and that like I don't ever need to delete. I, and then when I do need to delete them, I'm usually sitting at my desk doing like show prep and where I clean things up, anyways. And then yeah, I have you can yeah, go to that machine physically yeah. and yeah, yeah. it's kind of just there. I just do that as a little security thing. Yeah. Um. Anybody in the mumble room want to chime in on a backup solution they're particularly proud of before we move to our next topic? I, I'm still a big fan of R-Sync and mm-hmm. uh, Cronscripts, yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, I tried yeah. I tried Obnam recently uh, and Attic, uh, and I found that they were slow and pretty inefficient. Although, you know, the dedupe uh, functionality in Obnam was pretty good, but it took forever. It was mm. really slow. Cookie mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Sprite, that's exactly what I'm doing as well. Yeah. Yeah, and you I know, mean, you R-Sync know, actually saved my bacon. Oh, yeah, R-Sync's an amazing tool, oh, yeah. and there's a lot of yeah, pre-made scripts you can kind of take and then adjust to work the way you need if you don't want to write it from scratch. It saved my oh, bacon. It's, but it's so easy to write from scratch. I mean, it, yeah, it, it is. is. You yeah. know, and, and just crontab, and yeah. then you never have to worry about it. Yeah. And the other so thing is, and the thing that's important to me is I understand every single thing that's happening. Exactly. With, B- with BT-Sync, I'm just, I install the software, and I just kind of have to hope that it's working. The magic I works. Mean, I can see that, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 The, th- the thing I like about R-Sync, too, is you can do the dry run, so you can kind of just right. get an idea of what's going to happen. So is this going to be a huge, massive file transfer? Is this going to be a quick thing? And, of course, it also Are all can... my files going to get deleted? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Surprise. And the other thing is you can throw – sometimes these systems, like, you'll lose, the, you'll lose the right date or time or last modified, oh, yeah. and, and R-Sync's really good about Wimpy's it. Wimpy's got an interesting solution. Yeah. Go ahead, Wimpy. Oh, well, like, like most of you, I'm using our um... – uh, BitSync to move my data around the place, so all my various workstations and what have you. But for backups, I use our snapshot, which um, gives you um, point-in-time yes. recovery. Yes, our snapshot. So yes. Yeah, Deja Dupe doing... does the same. It's just got 
uh, I, in my opinion, just a little prettier. Yeah, our snapshot yeah. I think yeah. we've mentioned on the show before, but I think it's been a long time since we gave it a plug. Yeah. So I use our snapshot on Open Media Vault. Oh, oh, we might hey. get into that in a little bit. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll explain how okay. I do that a bit later if you like. Yeah, that's a good tease. I like that. All right, that's well, an R-Sync front end, I believe, right? It is. Yeah, it's, it's on top of it. Yeah. Uh, okay, got it. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so we've got uh, we got a follow up on a couple of other things we need to get to. Another email I want to, and a Chrome extension that will actually make YouTube suck less. You're not going to believe this Chrome extension and what it can do. It's incredible. Uh, so before we get to that, I want to stop and I want to thank uh, our next sponsor on the Unplugged Show, and that is the awesome folks over at Ting. Go to linux.ting.com. 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 Right now, won't you go there because you'll get $25 off your first device. If you've already got a Ting device, well, then they'll give you a $25 credit towards your account. And Ting is super awesome. In fact, Kyra is in studio today to tell us about how Ting rates work. Ting keeps rates simple. We don't make you pick a plan. Instead, you just use your phone as you normally would. How much you use determines how much you pay each month. You can have as many devices as you want on one account. That's good, because when you use more, you pay less per minute, message, or megabyte of data. Your usage, plus $6 per active device on your account, plus taxes, is your monthly bill. Simple. That's what we mean when we say... Mobile. That makes sense. You go to linux.ting.com to get started. They got a lot of different devices here. Feature phones ranging from well under $100, like 60 bucks here, all the way up to the latest, like the Nexus 5, the uh, uh, all of the latest Galaxy lines, the iPhone lines. They got it all over there at uh, linux.ting.com. Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? Speaking of which, if you want, you can play a little bit with my L. You want to play oh, yeah. with my L? I'll take a look at your L. Yeah, check out how long it's been running on battery. <laughs> you tell the folks how long. To, you you go you, if you can find it okay. and see if you can tell the folks. When you go over to linux.ting.com too, you'll see their savings calculator. You go in there, you plug in your current usage of what you pay on your current cell phone bill and see how much you'd save with Ting. Since Ting's only charging you for what you actually use, that gives you a ton of flexibility. And if you're savvy and you know when to make a Wi-Fi call and things like that, you would be astounded at the savings. I now have three phones on my Ting account, and I'm still paying $100 less a month than I was for one line on my previous provider. It's kind of amazing. And what's cool about Ting is they're great with however you want to use them. If you want to use them extensively as a, as, as a phone, you can. If you want to use it mostly as a wireless ISP, you can. And they have no hold customer service. So if you ever get stuck, you call them at one eight five five ting ftw and a real person answers the phone. Linux.ting.com. All right, so what's the battery life on that Android L phone there? Battery Wait. life, you've got four days left at 44%. And does, does it say how long it's been running on battery? Uh, I couldn't find well, you that. Well, you go up on the chart if you're on the chart there, and sure. I'll give you the date. I think it's since the... Uh... Uh, it says the 5th. Yeah, the 5th. Yeah, so I haven't plugged it in wow. since the 5th. <laughs> That's impressive. It's yeah. crazy. extends it that long. Yeah, you know what it is? There's two things. So it's Android L. Yeah. That's the first thing. Second thing is I don't make a lot of calls. Right. Uh, so there's three things. Yeah. And the third thing... This is the biggest, I believe, is that I don't have it signed into my Google account. Oh. So yeah, how many so days has that been on battery, that, that Nexus 5? Well, let's see. Since the 5th and today is the 9th so or 8th. So there you go. The and, and it's got how many days left? It's got oh God, four days. Four is that what you said? Left, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. And I, I seriously think it's because I don't log into my Google account and it's on Android L. Otherwise, it's just a standard Nexus 5. And what's crazy, you put Sailfish on this and you'll, or, or Ubuntu Touch yeah. and you'll blow through it in like two hours. Oh, yeah. Easily. Yeah, so there's a lot. This was so awesome about Ting is you're. I'm rocking the Nexus Five. Yeah. I own this outright. I only pay for my usage, and I can put my OS on there. And it's Sailfish, Ubuntu Touch, Firefox. It just jumps on the Ting network and works. Oh yeah, 
Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Linux.ting.com. Go help change up the mobile industry by switching to Ting. Make the rest of the industry take note of what Ting is trying to do by voting with your wallet. Linux.ting.com. And uh, maybe grab yourself a Nexus 5 and then try out the L beta. I'm, That's right. I'm kind of impressed. Yeah, I just seeing that, I'm impressed too. Yeah, I mean, you got a Nexus 5. How long does your battery last right now? Uh, let's see. I also sync to Google, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a huge thing. Uh, just kind of going in. Let me take a look. See, I'm thinking, I'm thinking I'll have to sign it up with my Google account and then see. I'm on KitKat, and I have 79% remaining. I charged it just this morning. <laughs> um, I've got four hours, 46 minutes, and seven seconds on since. Well, since I last wow, charged it, and he's got four days left. Yeah, yeah. So let's <laughs> see yeah. how long I have that's left. That's crazy. That is huge, that right? Is it's astonishing. That's a huge. Yeah. Is that enough to drag you back to Android then? Maybe we'll see. Oh, I, I, ba- I, battery life is the, like the the killer feature, as far as I'm concerned. Good if news. I, I... Good news. Look at this. Oh, look at this. Our Apple videos, yeah. our, our keynote videos, already been pulled off uh, off oh. of YouTube. Oh. These are actually yeah. seriously. Yeah, absolutely. It has a... There we go. That was the that was the moment right there. Right when they're showing the ladies' boobs. Right <laughs> when they're showing the ladies' boobs, they they pulled down our our Tech Talk Today episode. What a bunch of jerks. <sighs> Fail. Negative in the freedom dimension. Seriously, seriously, it has been Negative a bad week. Yeah. I have one, two, three marks just from this week. Uh, how do you put up with it? I, I sometimes I just don't, don't even pay attention. I just I'm not looking forward to it. All it's right, not like the appeals process is easy, right? I mean, no, no, the no. appeals process no, it's, is it's it's fruitless, is what it is. It is, it is <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and in fact, you can even put your account in jeopardy if you try to dispute something that turns out to be legitimate. Then your account yeah. can actually be shut down. Oh. Yeah. Screw that. So Elroy wrote in with our next email to help us all cope with YouTube a little more. Um, and uh, I, I think I think maybe all of you will want to go grab this. So Elroy writes and he says, I've just become aware of the most important, fantabulous extension for Chrome that's ever graced the face of this earth. It's called Herpderp for YouTube, which significantly improves YouTube comments by replacing them with random herps and derps. I'm certain in some way that Matt must have been involved with this great piece of work. It seems inspired. One user explains it thusly. In the beginning, God created the internets, and the internets were without form and filled with chaos. Trolls and idiots spread upon the face of the deep discord with their fire and rage as their fuel. Thusly, the Tanner, son of Ganner, and son of Godin, who fought during the legendary battle, not known as the Flames of Boxy, and his bacon of hope shined upon the wretched world. And Tanner said, let there be derp. And there was herp derp. And Tanner saw the derp, and the derp was good. No comment even even remotely remarkable was ever missed since that fateful day. You can find it in the Google Play Store. He included a shortened URL. He says, please spread the word of this great extension. So there you go, Herp Derp for YouTube. Herp Derp. I love it. Not exactly Linux related, but no. I think Linux users can uh, can probably all say we've suffered a little bit from YouTube comments. So I've already installed it in my Chrome. Yeah. There you go. See, That's they have a, awesome. I, I like the before and then the, the derped. So they have the before and then the, the derped. derped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just says Herp Derp, Herp Derp, Herp Derp. Uh, here's That's the first awesome. review. Yeah, you, sir, are a genius. Second review. <laughs> oh, thank God. Third review. This is fabulous. <laughs> Fourth review better be herp a derp derp derp. Yeah, really. <laughs> I know a couple of YouTubers uh, would love this, actually. That's great. Matt, uh, or sorry, Martin writes, oh my God, how did I live without this extension? <laughs> Anna writes, goodbye to dumb bitches on YouTube. <laughs> exactly. That's it right there. So, oh, yeah. God, it works. Yeah, did you already this install it? This is awesome. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> Bubba says, herp a herp a herp a derp 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 a derp
And uh, wow, that's awesome. So there you go. I, suddenly I can actually read this stuff. This yeah, is great. I figured to make it much more palatable. So even though they're pulling down my videos, at least I'll have a good time when I go there to read it. Uh, so that I thought that was. Oh, and good. if you click and if you click on each comment, it becomes English again. So if you want to oh. read it, you still can. Oh, that's actually cool. So that's awesome. Because now I don't care what anyone says. This is great. <laughs> Rekai points out. Rekai points out that wow. you could you could pair this sort of like a good wine and cheese. You could pair this with the well-known cloud to butt extension that turns all references of cloud into the word butt. Have you guys seen this? Oh, that's genius. Because you know, actually, so it bit me the other week because we did uh, 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 my my cloud exposed, yeah. and then somebody oh, sent in a screenshot <laughs> with the cloud to butt extension where it said my butt exposed. Tech Talk today, episode fifty-one. <laughs> so it, it, there's a negative oh, side wow. to it so, as a content creator. A, yeah, that's could be a little awkward. Mm-hmm. That's just brilliant. Though. So you but you match up the herp derp for YouTube and the uh, my butt extension, and your browser is a much better place, I think. <laughs> Who needs net neutrality, right? Just do this. They made one for Reddit. We'd be set. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, we got our last email that came in uh, from uh, EB. He says, uh, proud papa, my 10- and 13-year-old boys took to a Chromebook I gave them. I hit up Google uh, and put the thing in a developer mode, installed Crouton, and got Ubuntu installed, and they did it all by themselves. As a parent, I feel like my work on this world is now done. EB. Good. Good dad, right? Good, dad. good game. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I uh, I I have the C seven twenty sitting right there. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm, that's gonna become Dylan's school computer. Same thing. I'm not even. I don't even think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna leave. My thought is I'll leave the Chrome OS install for Dad. So like, if I just need to grab his machine and look something up, I'll have Chrome OS. Yeah, yeah. And then when he needs to use it, I'll have it in elementary OS. Yep. That's nice. I don't know about elementary OS though. Well, yeah. Well. You am, I, am I making a mistake? Should Edge I? Ubuntu, sugar on a stick, arch. I I love both. He's <laughs> looking mean, at what it does, not what it runs. So I think yeah, I know he is. Something. I'm not, but I'm thinking, yeah. I'm thinking, but I would rather have my son run Arch. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, yeah. nice. That's I see where you're going. Yeah, that's all. That's the dream you can only hope for. And here come all the Arch fanboys again. Right now, yeah. 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 Uh, so, anyways, congrats to EB. And you know that was one of the things that we did. That we did this episode uh, on Sunday about the Chromebook. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it, it is a phenomenon. Um, and the, one of the other common comments we got is, "Yeah, the Chromebook is great. I can't wait till those two hundred dollars Windows laptops come out." Like we've talked about before yeah. too. Uh, the, it's it's great for Linux. It's funny, though, because at first it took me a while to sort of recognize it. I, I, at first I thought the Chromebook was kind of a threat and yeah, the Chrome right. boxes. But now that you can replace the frickin' BIOS entirely, when you pull off that Chrome OS BIOS and you put on a custom flashed version of – because it's just an open source. That's right. It, it is a full-fledged laptop at that point. And you can always flash the Chrome OS BIOS. Yes, you, I did, actually. Yeah. I did it as a – Go ahead. I've been super happy with my C720 for like, I don't know, six months running Ubuntu. Um, I keep it as a backup uh, in my backpack next to my Ultra Pro, which runs Arch. And then uh, when battery life you know, drains, because the battery life is insane on the Chromebook. Yeah. yeah. Wimpy, you were going to make a comment about uh, compatibility? Well, yeah. The, the thing is, is that because the Chromebooks are running Linux in the main, they're extremely Linux compatible. Totally. Far more so than some of the um, you know mainstream yes. PCs right. that are preloaded with Windows might be. Right, right, right. Well, and plus also because uh, you can put CBIOS on there, and then you have you can have an open source BIOS. I mean, it really is. Yeah, yeah. I I, I wonder. Yeah, if, I mean, Stallman should be happy. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, I wonder if it, I wonder if these things are getting close to being Stallman approved. I'm sure there must be like stuff for the Wi-Fi or something that's still probably well, well, negative in the freedom dimension. But. Yeah, in, in his opinion, if anything. 
does allow something that is negative in the Fredo dimension, it's and the right. value of this is negative. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, all right, well, let's take a break. Before we get into our uh, first major topic of the day, I want to talk about Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com right now. Go check them out, linuxacademy.com. And if you go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged, you can still take advantage of the Summer of Learning 33% discount. I don't know if you can still technically – is it still the summer? Can we still yeah, call it that? I hope so. Okay. Yeah, it's summer-like. Okay, yeah. all right. I wanted to make sure it was still summer-like because I don't want you guys not to get the Summer of Learning discount. It is too darn important. There are a few things in life and as important as your education, as your mind, as Ben Folds 5 would tell us. Thinking about your mind. Sitting there floating (laughs) in space. Go over to linuxacademy.com slash unplug. They've got step-by-step video courses, downloadable comprehensive study guides, and you'll love this. If you're in if you're in somewhere in the course material, you're getting your learning on like like a fool. You're just like sucking it up like a sponge, getting all kinds of smart over at Linux Academy. And you get to a point, and guess what? In the course material, you need to build a server. Well, this was what really sucks about Linux Academy. You got to stop what you're doing. You got to go build a server. Take a couple of days. You got to get the OS. You got to order the parts. You got to get a monitor and a keyboard and mouse. You got to oh, install your. Not with them. No. Oh wait, that's right. You don't have to do any of that because they spin up a server <laughs> for you right. on the fly. Weird. Right so as you needed, boom, as the courseware requires that the server spun up on the back end. That's part of the service. Doesn't matter if it's AWS. Doesn't matter if it's a Linux box. Doesn't matter, you guys. They have all of it there because they are a bunch of Linux experts and educational enthusiasts who've built this system for you because it's from the community for the community. They're all about it. They recognize the issues that exist with all of the educational platforms out there, the shortcomings, the problems that they have trying to reach out to Linux enthusiasts, and they've solved a lot of that almost all of it because the only thing that's remaining is the content and they are working at an unbelievable pace so many courses are over there right now they could take you years to work through all of it and they're not done they're adding more stuff every single week i just had a little chat with one of the guys that runs linux academy and i got just a hint of what's coming it's going to put them it's going to set them so far ahead of anyone else in the industry for the next several years. I mean it has never been a better time to go over to Linux Academy and just double down on yourself. You can take the step-by-step courseware offline with you too. So that way you can educate yourself when you're in the car, if you're in the shower like Skooky Sprite, you can listen in the shower while you listen to <laughs> Linux Academy. You know these kinds it's it's flexible. They also give you the tool set you need so that way you can attack it in a way that is actually manageable that doesn't like induce anxiety because for me one of the problems is I start to get these things that weigh over me and then it it bothers me that I'm not getting it done. I start to feel like I'm uh, you know, not accomplishing everything I want. I start to feel kind of bad about that. Linux Academy gives me the tool set where I can attack things as I have the time, where I can really easily conceptualize how long something's going to take, what's going to be involved in that process, and what it's going to require for me to commit to do it. And that gives me the opportunity to succeed, which just keeps me going. It keeps me going back for more and more all the time. And if I ever kind of have a lull, they have a really great community support system there that helps me out. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. Go check them out. Get the Summer of Learning discount, and you You'll see all of the new content they have. I have a list right here I could read off to you. It's really amazing. And I think you're going to be impressed. And I'll tell you, if you go there right now, there's there's so much stuff. There's so much stuff you can start with. It's never been a better time. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. Save 33% and start learning right now. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. And they have a Nagios tutorial now up there, which is pretty cool. It's like a five-part uh, thing, which was a big deal for me uh, when I signed up with them forever ago. That's a great – like, yep. give me Nagios, give me Nagios, because yep. I've never done it. I've never right. set up Nagios. And they have the whole thing up there now. It's and, awesome. you know, we were talking about backups. They have a whole thing on backing up with rsync, so you can go take that course. Uh, so that's oh, really, really? – yeah, wow. yeah. So that's another good example. If you Or if you, like, you want to set up NFS – 
you know, if you've been wanting to do NFS file sharing, you're ready to get off Samba because you're just talking Linux to Linux, yeah. and you want to take advantage of the speed of NFS, they got a whole course on NFS. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, when you walk away from that course, you will have implemented an NFS server. So you can mm-hmm. it's it's a one-to-one translatable skill set. And it's great for stuff that like you you maybe have done like once or twice for work, like you know four years ago or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. now you need to remember how to do oh, it for you know your home or whatever. That's yep. what I use it for. Yep. Yep. And let's be honest too. A lot of us are self taught, and there's just little oh, yeah. areas that I have found that even when I go back and take the most basic stuff, like I did uh, Linux. I, uh, I think it's called Linux A plus. I can't even remember anymore. Is that even a thing? Linux A plus. It was a uh, really basic Linux rudimentary course I took years ago. I think. It, oh, uh, Linux plus. I think. Oh yeah, Linux okay. plus. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's been a while. I actually yeah. found it. Hey, you know what? It showed me a couple of different ways I could consider doing things. Yeah. Like I actually kind of like it, it. It picked my game up a little bit, even though it was a really intro course. This was a long time ago, but mm-hmm. I find it to be. Yeah. And that that is true across the whole board too. Yeah. A plus is one of those certifications where you can use a mouse and keyboard. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. That's very oh. true. <laughs> that is very true. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, uh, System D. And uh, this is, and then we'll then we'll do our open media vault review. Okay, so uh, well, let's do the system D thing first because I think this might be a little quicker. Um, I we've we've been following system D since the beginning, yeah. and uh, we now are in a phase where a lot of adoption has occurred, but there's just an immense amount of pushback. Oh yeah. And I've been trying to get a sense of uh, where is the legitimate complaints, where do those fall, and then what is just like uh, clicker baiting to get traffic to to drive <laughs> clicks for your ads. So I've been sort of doing some digging and uh, trying to get my head around all of this. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but I certainly have noticed that uh, the vast majority of anti-systemd articles are coming from two places. And they're coming at an unbelievable fever pitch rate. And it makes it seem like it's just people after people after people talking about this, when in reality... I see two people talking about this, and then the rest of the internet shitting their pants every time they talk about it, and then, of course, it drives traffic and gets everybody talking about it. Click, click, click. Uh, Let's start with my favorite, Paul Valencia, over at InfoWorld.com. Paul Valencia (laughs) recently wrote, you have Windows in my Linux. He says, the schism over SystemD could lead to a separation of desktop and server distros, or a mass exodus of Linux server admins leaving (laughs) to FreeBSD. Okay, that's just one of his many. And what's great is you can go look at Paul Valencia's post, and you can just read through his anti-SystemD crap. Uh, Then another, okay, so that's InfoWorld.com. Then number two, Number two, IT World, Jim Lynch. Oh, yeah. This is the other guy. And in fact, these two guys cite each other as examples of <laughs> s- to support <laughs> their arguments. Right. <laughs> uh, so here was, this one got a ton of traction over the weekend when I was prepping for last. Hmm, funny how this story didn't make it into the Linux action show. So here's the headline. System D rampages through the Linux community like Godzilla <laughs> through Tokyo. <laughs> Oh my God! Oh, brother. Yeah, oh. and and I've got a, I've got a good little collection in the show notes of their more recent stuff. And I just went back two weeks. I just went back two weeks. Here's another headline: yeah. It's time to split Linux in two. Here's another one. Uh, these are just the same guys over and over again, right? Writing these kinds of stuff. And here's another story, all in their thread, all their timeline. It's uh, here's another one where he suggested. Here's oh, here's the other thing I love. Uh, this is so great. When they also when Paul self references his own previous articles. To support his new article, I love that one. That's like, a fallacy this, right there. Yeah, this thing I wrote a while ago, uh, in this case last week, still totes legit. So let's just reference that. My insane hyperbolic <laughs> screed from last week, you know, designed to. Oh, God. Right, 
Right. And and so here's 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 a couple of things that we can probably agree on, right? The arguments against system D um, it violates the Unix philosophy, right? That's that one, all the time. Um, it's one big thing doing a lot of things. It's uh, too Which much stuff. False. Too much stuff crammed into PID one. Yeah. Um, what's what's another common system D? Uh, it, oh, logging. oh, uh, the logging, right? The binary log. It's bad for servers. It's this is the new one. Which is yeah. insane. This I mean, is the new no one. It's bad for servers. Yeah. How? How is it bad for servers? It was. It was a, it, the concept came for the, the requirements of modern day servers. That's yeah. that's why exactly. it got yeah yeah. <laughs> it was designed for yeah. service. So the the uh, the, uh, the idea that Paul Valencia argues that what we need to do is we need to split Linux into two, and you have System D for the desktop side, and then the server distros don't use System D. Totally mm-hmm. madness. It Total is madness. absolute craziness. It is absolute craziness. And I wonder, like, at some point, do we just do we just ignore these people and move on? And does it does it actually dilute the you know okay like um you guys know who alex jones is yes right everybody's like well it's a lot of people think your that, buddy yeah yeah alex should i should i you think i should play the mustache yeah, so. right, so. now nah, you won't be able to hear the mustaches so you just have to wait a second oh no worries What's driving me crazy is that photo right there. Zoom in on that. It's one of those cops in a black uniform with a mustache. And you just look like an absolute clown freak that works for murdering terrorists that jack our food and water. I think you're a big joke. Oh, you got a mustache. I'll just worship you. Oh, you got a mustache. It's okay. Nothing against mustaches. So my point about Alex Jones is like some people think that Alex Jones is such an out there conspiracy theorist that he makes all conspiracy theorists look bad. So are guys like Paul Valencia and Jim Lynch, are they just so far out there with System D that they make all System D haters look bad? I just want to say yes. they've been caught. Yeah. They've been caught. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, that's a good point right there. I mean, I, if you look at it, it's, it, they've figured out a way to drive traffic to IT world and info world, and that's just to keep writing about System D. Yep. And then the Linux drones just keep clicking it. That's right. That's right. And that's because it's contro- controversial. And so they just drive up the but controversy. There, but there they really create isn't the that much controversy anymore. Not since Debian you know, adopted it. I mean, where's the controversy? They're anymore? making it. Well, exactly. And, exactly. and is this argument that it's not okay? Let's let's just let's take the it's not very Unix like argument. Yeah. Is this a valid argument? A. And B. Does it matter? So I think it. I think A. I don't think. I don't think it's. I think it's a valid argument only in the sense that. Nothing else implements some of the things that System D does, and so because there is nothing else, it's somewhat of a valid argument. Well, but it, it's it's know, the most valid argument only in the sense that like it's the one that comes closest to being factual, accurate, and sense making. But it's not that great of an argument in of itself. I mean, yeah, sure, you could do you know you could control your mouse with you know scripting that you've done you know by yourself. But no, System D does it for you. I don't know. Ah, it makes me angry. It, what do you think, Kevin? No, it's the agglomeration of tasks that are on System D that were separate to right. a large right. degree. That's that's the argument. Yeah. There. Now, Heaven, I know, I know Heaven City has a counter to that argument. Now, so- as the importance of the argument, I would say that one of the things we were trying to achieve is POSIX compliance, and this mm-hmm. POSIX yeah. concept was abo- approached because it would allow us to have portable uh, applications across operating systems. That still- does require that other distros and other operating systems do apply POSIX standards, which they all have variations. And to a large degree, the applications still don't work. So 
benefits are not there. Right. There's there, that. That would be the okay. So that's the technical, like Unix compatible definition. Yeah. Yeah. Then you have the philosophical. Lots of small tools do one thing really well, working together in concert to make the overall system. Well, and the fallacy with that is that systemd is a collection of tools. It is not one single tool. Exactly. Well, but it's, it's a repackaging. Yeah. But it's repackaging all of those single tools into one tool, which is the the, the philosophical disagreement in terms of like you know the Unix side. Yeah. Yeah, system, system D is a re-implementation of some of those tools that have existed for a right. while. And I exactly. think what people yeah. push as the, as the falsehood, which is that it's all crammed into this one process called right. System D that right. happens to be PID, PID1 as well, right. which is crap. Right. It's not all one binary. I still want to hear what Heaven's Revenge has to say. <laughs> well, I do believe it is very Unix-y. There is a lot of people really do still misunderstand what System D is. It is one thing. It's an abstract scheduler that the user space uses to schedule things. That's its purpose. That's its only job. Everything else has been built around that, which uses that functionality. That's why it's so applicable to so many things, and that's why the SystemD project, the Umbrella project, has grown to encompass so many different things mm. because it's an abstract Because it's useful scheduler. for it, yeah, absolutely. So, so many things just need simple scheduling. Mm-hmm. We can't use a That's CPU it. scheduler. Yep. We need a user-space scheduling system. That's what it is. It's mm-hmm. just an IPC mechanism for communication and a scheduler. That's it. It is Unixy. It's just one simple thing. It's just so applicable. So many things can, can use it. Okay, Wimpy, why don't you jump in? Okay, well, I'm not... I'm, I want to be clear, I'm not a uh, System D um, hater by any means. I think it's um, a, a great advancement for Linux, but I'm going to be devil's advocate here. And one area where System D is uh, uh, squarely not uh, in the Unix philosophy um, is that you don't, you can't pipe the utilities together. So um, that was really you know the crux of all of the Unix utilities, that mm-hmm. everything is text in, text out, and they can be um, joined together with pipes to, to make a... And a new utility by by joining them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that that simple that simple. But I don't care. <laughs> well, there is yeah, something to it I, though. Exactly. It, it, <laughs> it gives you the ability to build such an amazingly powerful suite of tools together. But at the same time, it, it seems like maybe we've moved from from that to a different need now. Like mm-hmm. it, we've mo- yeah. we're modernizing in a sense, and it's not necessarily bad. It's not necessarily uh, good. I don't. I think it's, it's called innovation. I mean, deal right. with it. Well, I mean, it's called it's it's called um, moving the platform forward to the exactly. to the demands of the future and not just to the demands of the past. Totally. Yeah. And I think exactly. the the other thing that I I recoil at when I hear people talk about System D is a lot of times people will say. Well, uh, System D creates lock-in, and one uh, common example they will cite is GNOME now requires login D. Login D is part of System D, so in extents to get uh, later versions of GNOME, you must have System D because you need login D. Not true. Well, well but, and I'd say is that just because of like the the binary logs? I mean, what? what the no, hell? it's because how's that, how's it's be- system lock-in. How's that- it's because login D implements a set of functionalities that no other project is currently oh, okay, implementing, yeah, but. Well, it, but- the, cool progress. Well, the thing is, is at each level there, there is an API available. There yes. is a there. Somebody could write a replacement, a login D that doesn't require system D. That is technically possible. Yes. And and this week we have seen, and it, it, this has actually happened five weeks ago, but this week I saw the physical, one hundred percent truth. It's in the code. There is code out there right now called System BSD. 
and System BSD is a reimplementation of System D APIs for freaking BSD. So you can use oh, things yeah. like Login D and Time D on BSD that are supposed to be System D calls. This is a physical, literal demonstration of the portability right here. They are moving this functionality to a completely different operating system. That's right. So also, the idea that we couldn't reimplement Login D functionality oh. in Gentoo is bullshit. <laughs> yep. Exactly. So yeah, we're moving it to BSD now. Yeah, and exactly. Also, also, it's also <laughs> emblematic of how efficacious you know the entire you know the whole system D project has become. Like like uh, Heavens and Wimpy were saying. Yeah, and and you know that's one thing Wimpy was also ta- he wanted to talk about system D shims, I believe. Oh, go ahead, Wimpy. Well, this this is what Chris has just touched on. Um, yeah, the the GSOC, one of the GSOC students for OpenBSD this year has created those um, uh, Dbus APIs to uh, replace s- some of the system D layers so that things like GNOME three can run. Mm-hmm. But this is what Canonical have been doing for a little while now. They've got their own system D mm-hmm. shim mm-hmm. that that um, uh, provides um, login D. Um, and that's how how uh, you work around that issue at the moment, uh, and why they're able to move their GNOME three components that they rely on. Isn't it, in a sense, almost a good thing because then it just gives us a common thing for us to write right. against? Exactly. Yeah. Of course, it's a it's good just, thing. Get through the fragmentation. IPC. Yeah. That's. That, I mean, good ideas yeah. succeed and bad ideas fail. That's one of the greatest parts so, about Linux. When we talk about it on a, at a factual level like this, it seems clear. I mean, it seems, yes, there's some disadvantages, like we've mentioned, especially when it comes to binary logs as an old sysadmin. I'll be honest. No, that's, that's hard for fall- me. That's a fallacy. We can shoot that one down now. If you install a syslog daemon on a system D-enabled machine, right. journal D will push everything yep. to syslog. There's, and that's not the only Problem way. There's a couple solved. of ways. There's a couple of ways yeah, to pull it off. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, I'd say like I've heard of like five different methods to get yeah. your old logging system back. You know, more or less running on top of system B. So you know, blah. That's that's garbage right there. All right. I mean, we could keep going on. We could keep talking about it. But I, I, I just thought with this system BSD shim thing, this was particularly interesting. Oh, yeah. Narrowing it down to InfoWorld and IT World and seeing how they're playing off each other to generate a lot of controversy. Which it's interesting the way it works too, is because the things they talk about there is then sort of leak their way into the into the communications of the regular community and all of a sudden people take it as their own opinions and and their own stances and start arguing these points that are being sort of just ginned up for traffic yeah which is which is what's scary about it because these guys are considered to be you know thought leaders or whatever in terms of it or whatever pseudo it information you want to you know blah and so this just Mm -hmm. creates just endless controversy that's actually damaging to forward progress i i think it's damaging you know also i just gotta say to both Jim and Paul, if they happen to listen to this show, you guys have been caught. You're yeah, done. You've been busted. 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 I almost, busted. you know, like, uh, I don't know. I almost wonder, if do they do it intentionally? Who knows? We can't, we can't prescribe their motivations. Well, well, well no, we can't prescribe their motivations. We can't prescribe their motivations, but at the same time, we can look at it and say, these are clickbaity articles. They are that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. so. Yeah, especially with the, the headlines. That's the only explanation I can think of. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, just to them, we have an open mumble room. So if either one of those gentlemen would like to join us and talk about that's it. That's right. They're absolutely welcome. We would love that. If they you want know. to call us out on our calling them out, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Well, I can speak intelligently on just a piece of sure. it really quickly. Yeah, in that, yeah. If you've ever seen the South Park episode where they explain how Family Guy comes up with their show titles, um, <laughs> writing, writing in tech is a lot like that. 
our, our editors give us a, a big a big tank full of stuff, and then we pick words and, and make sentences out of them, and then we pick an article topic. That's essentially how it works. Um, these guys know, yes, this is absolutely link bait. There's no debating this. I would encourage them to come on here and tell another guy that writes for a living that this isn't link bait. Right, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, 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 sometimes I'm paid to do it too, but I try and come up with a little more positive stuff. I don't know. Yeah, but, you know, yeah I think you do, do a good job so, of that. Well, yeah. And that's, that's why I think it's so damaging. <laughs> I mean, speak, I'm speaking from five years of uh, working as a print journalist. Uh, you know, I mean, this, yeah. this is iris- – it's, 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 uh, your only two arguments for self-defense for this are either I am technically illiterate or I am being – or I am a tool. Well, it, it's, oh. it seems like peeing in your own pool too. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're eventually exactly. poisoning the well that you draw your content from. That's right. Exactly. Generally but, speaking, just, yeah. A lot of times you've got editors though that are like – especially if you've got like a, a – someone just someone above you that's like saying, you know, you if you don't hit this – hit this target yeah. guess what you're collecting unemployment yeah. 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 and that's and, the problem and it's a short a term funding. thing you know to them it it's like I gotta make money for this month let's yeah. pull that turpentine into the aquifer yeah. and see what happens yeah. Yeah. exactly <laughs> if that I just have a few drinks doing. take a few yeah. pills <laughs> I can get through this article I'll be yeah. alright I can swallow it I can swallow it so, I can get through but that doesn't excuse it it just it creates a causality this is why this is happening yeah you know what we'd all be a lot better if they just go right about the iWatch there we go I totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> they should go be information reporters for terrorists, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's oh, right. wow. That's right. Okay. <laughs> All right. We got we to gotta talk about something more positive. <laughs> this is getting bad. This is, you could tell, you could tell it's been a long broadcast yeah. day. It's been a long day. <laughs> We're getting punchy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so why don't we talk, uh, let's talk about DNF here in a second. Uh, so okay. Fedora 21 coming down the pipe. We just last week talked about restructuring from the ground up how you deploy software on Linux using ButterFS subvolumes. I mean, that was, <laughs> this is not that. The DNF is not that, but it is still a new tool that's coming to manage software, and producer Eric has had a little hands-on time with it, so we're going to talk about that in a second. First, I'll thank DigitalOcean. Head over to DigitalOcean.com right now and go get yourself your own server backed by SSDs connected to Tier 1 bandwidth. Oh, you don't know what DigitalOcean is? My friend, let me tell you. DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up a cloud server. Users can create a cloud server in less than 55 seconds. And pricing plans start only $5 a month, which will get you 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, and this is the best part, one terabyte of transfer just right there. So you've got a CPU that backs it, you've got 20 gigabytes of SSD for incredible I.O. density, and you've got it connected to tier one bandwidth with a terabyte of transfer. And DigitalOcean has data center locations all over the place. They've got them in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, brand new one in London, which is great. And on top of all of that, they manage it all with their incredible intuitive control panel, which power users can replicate on a larger scale with DigitalOcean's awesome straightforward API. And they just got a little more awesome with the introduction of Core OS. This is an amazing opportunity for you to go over there and try it out. And if you use our promo code, because we've got a promo code for you, unplug September, $10 credit. Like, in the past... When a server-grade operating system like this came out that was truly something new that you can, you can tell by the industry response is already a success. It's already on the path to success. Think about how awesome it is that if you go over to DigitalOcean.com, if you use the promo code UnplugSeptember, you could create a CoreOS cluster and play with one of the most advanced operating server operating systems on the planet connected to Tier 1 bandwidth on top of SSD drives using their super-fast control panel for free for two months. Using the promo code Unplug September. It's huge. I mean, when have when have we ever been in this position for technology at this scale that has been this democratized that we have this level of access to? It 
is amazing to see this happen. Well, this and it's is, all backed by Linux on top of KVM. This is something that we saw at OSCOM. People were getting fired up yeah. about CoreOS, yeah. and now it's available to everyone. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I thought about playing with CoreOS, and like, it's not the kind of thing you're going to throw in VirtualBox. No. That's not the right no. place for that. And this is such an opportunity. I mean, of course, they've got all kinds of great distros you can choose from. CoreOS has just been added. It's new. They're going to be working with CoreOS, and it's going to be uh, – it's a game changer. It is totally a game – DigitalOcean itself is a game changer. Absolutely. Matched with a bunch of game-changing technology powered by the open source uh, technology stack that they write all that on top of. Now matching that up. And they didn't just like go get a CoreOS image. They worked with – with the CoreOS project to make this happen because there's some management stuff they needed in there. There's some changes they need to make, and they want to work directly with CoreOS to make sure that your images are backed by the CoreOS development team. It's awesome. And that's the beauty about doing that is that they can create their own custom image for what they need Mm -hmm. to give you guys a custom image. And then you manage the droplets with their great interface. That's right. DigitalOcean.com and use the promo code UnpluggedSeptember when you check out. You'll get that $10 credit. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. Okay, Eric, so let's talk about a package manager, DNF, which literally stands for nothing, right? Yep. There, it, it has no acronym properties. So YUM was what? Yellow, updo- yellow Update, uh, was it Manager or yellow dog, Updates? Uh, I can't remember uh, now. Something Manager. But yeah, yellow, it, update, yellow Dog Update we'll Manager Modified. Yellow, yep. yellow Dog Updater Modified is That's what right. YUM stood for. Yeah, that's right. And DNF is was created by the Fordora Project and also Red Hat sponsoring for to get to take what is Yum and make it better. And I don't see at first I didn't quite understand because it it I didn't really see what I'm I didn't see a big benefit to DNF. I so uh, so for example, I would be using DNF to update my packages, to right. install a new version of something, or to install like Chromium or something like that. Right? I would use I would I would now call on the DNF command instead of yum command. Correct. Now here here's what it is. It's a drop in replacement for yum that is going to actually take on the name of yum come Fedora twenty two. And you actually literally mean like drop in like you're playing with symlinks and stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. I took and I renamed my yum my yum binary to yum dash legacy and then i took made a sim link for dnf to yum yeah and now anytime anything in my system calls on the yum command it's actually calling on dnf now why did you do that i did that just to experiment, experiment to see it. if it would work and it does it's flawless in so, fact it runs faster than yum dnf is still using rpm packages on the back end it's managing dependency resolution just like yum does is yeah. it it's using repo files like yum does it, it's using the exact same file structure that yum has yeah the difference is is that instead where Yum pulls down each package individually, right. like one package gets in, it will actually pull down several package, packages simultaneously, therefore using your bandwidth to the best of its ability and also using uh, your system processes to the best of their ability. And so, they've recently introduced Delta RPM support. Correct. They introduced Delta RPM support by default. Before that, they had it just as an experimental setting you could make. Now it's in there by default. And I guess they. it looks like they have a DNF package history. Maybe you could do some rollback stuff. I don't know if that's, that's right. Yeah. Uh, uh, is that in there? It, it's it's in there, but it's, that's one of those things that still has to be enabled by yeah, okay. config file. So um doesn't sound like it's a huge change, but it kind of sounds like it's a direction to just, it's like, we're starting here and we're going to move this forward a little right. bit. Right. It's actually a rewrite. You know, WikiLeaks was just asking if it's completely new, if it's modified. It's actually a right. complete rewrite from right. the ground up. And I, I think this is going to be across... Red Hat Enterprise, Fedora, and CentOS will all be using DNF. Correct. By the time those re- versions release in the future, I mean, we're talking, the first one's going to be Fedora 22, and then the next one is going to be, well, you're going to see CentOS and uh, Red Hat when, in, 
whatever version they decide to release that in probably like a 7.2, 7.3 or I, something like that. I was always kind of surprised that we didn't see any other RPM distros adopt YUM. I wonder if we'll see DNF adopted. By yeah, that. I mean, the, I see oh. other RPM distros like... Um, SUSE's got Zipper. SUSE's right? got Zipper. Zip, actually. Zip. Yeah. And... Um, in Mandriva, Mandrake has RPMI. Mandrake. Yeah, exactly. Or Mandriva, yeah, Mandriva. Mandriva. They, uh, they have their they have their own thing. I have yet to experiment with that because I have a I don't know. It just seems like an irrelevant. URPMI was uh, I don't know if that's what they still use, but back in the day when I was a Mandrake user, that was almost RPM good enough for me. I could yeah. almost Matt. Did you ever play with uh, Mandrake's URPMI? I think was what it was called. No, I didn't. I never spent I never spent as much time with Mandrake as I should have. I kind of toyed around with it a little bit, uh, and then of course the RPM stigma hit me initially, and I just ran away almost immediately. <laughs> I, I seem to remember um, like I remember yeah, that. I don't I, remember it. I seem to remember URPMI made it easy to add repos. It had like a lot of app-like features. Yeah. I oh, always yeah? pronounced it your erp me. I think they still use it. Hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, in, anybody in the mumble room had a chance to play with uh, DNF or the new Fedora release with any thoughts? I look at uh, I'm looking at you Colonel Linux and I'm thinking uh, you're a CentOS guy. I was I'm a CentOS guy unfortunately. I, I've been <laughs> out of town for the last week. Are you uh, when these kind of things though come down the pipe? Do you uh, do you load up Fedora and think to yourself, okay, I'm going to learn how this is going to be for my servers in the future, or is that <laughs> is that like a thing that you Red Hat guys do, or how does that work? That used that used to be exactly what I did. In fact, it, it, so much to the point that uh, I would teach myself new features of Red Hat on on Fedora. Unfortunately, it doesn't work like that anymore. Like the projects are, have have split so decidedly in two different ways. There's almost no similarity between the two. That's interesting. Hmm. So I, I looked at uh, and in fact when I was at uh, when I was at um, LinuxCon I actually learned that I should stop looking at CentOS to to see what uh, to see what Red Hat's like because apparently those two are going to become uh, those two are going to become very different. Um, mm. So that's a little uh, confusing. That is very yeah it, for real. Yeah, yeah, but so apparently even now I get and I haven't had a chance to confirm this, but apparently even with seven, um, there are differences between a Red Hat Enterprise and, and CentOS. Mm. They're no longer just uh, recompile binaries. Mm. Uh, that really makes me unhappy. Yeah, that's not good because I'm holding out. I'm holding out judgment until I find out exactly what the long term plan. Because let's say they take CentOS and make it into, uh, you know, an enterprise desktop operating system. I'm okay with that as long as projects like what's another one? Scientific Linux right. still exists. Yep. As right. long as yeah, that's yeah. something I can go to where I can I can build binaries on on some sort of a, a cost free platform that you know has access to repos. Um, <laughs> as long as I can do that, I, well, I think that's going to be can... Fedora. I think yeah. Fedora dot cloud and Fedora dot server are going to yeah. yeah Fedora cloud They're Fedora server yeah, yeah. whatever nuts. they name it is fine is fine with me as long as uh, as long as I have something. And that's one thing that's coming sure. out is that the next ver- Fedora 21 is going to be the first one that goes by that Fedora next. Uh, yeah, moniker. boy, that's going to be a that's going to be a transition that is going to take a while to play out. And meanwhile, Red Hat Enterprise Linux will be standing still. And yep. so at some point, Red Hat Enterprise Linux will have to catch up to all this Fedora Next stuff. And how do they make that transition? Because Fedora Next yeah. is a totally different beast. Well, you can have a real minimal Fedora Next, and they're, they're even talking about a Fedora Next version that's essentially rolling in a way. Well, especially, well, yeah, they have uh, Rawhide, but I mean, if you look at it, they're going to have to deal with the server, the workstation, cloud, and whatever that fourth one is. I'm not talking about Rawhide. But, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm no, talking about Rail. No, I'm saying, in Red, I'm saying one of the things they're talking about oh, in yeah. Red Hat is making it so that way, I don't think they're going to be there yet, but I think they are designing it with the intention of sort of like core OS where you isolate out the server applications and exactly. the, the base OS is rolling. Yeah, and you know, Fedora's already doing that 
Rail's probably just going to take on what they're doing yeah. and have a workstation. You know, that's one thing Rail does not have is they don't have a workstation. Fedora, have, it could have Red Hat Enterprise dot workstation. That's right, Red Hat Enterprise workstation. It's going to be CentOS. Well, I mean, if you look at way SUSE does it, they have workstation and server. Yeah. And so why why doesn't why doesn't Red Hat have something like that? I wouldn't say I because SUSE does something, Red Hat should do it. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying I just I, I just think it's surprising that yeah. they don't have something well, like, like that Well, like Noah already. mentioned, you know, when he was down at uh, LinuxCon, it's like, come on, give me a distro that I can put on the desktops that matches yeah. the servers. And I... I We'll see what they do. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm looking for I, you know the yeah. There's some Fedora haters in the chat room, but yeah. I actually think Fedora is starting to become a really interesting project again. Yeah. Well, honestly, uh, I agree. Honestly, um, beginning of July, I could have been included with one of those Fedora haters. I decided to go ahead and try it. Just, You've been running the 21 beta. Uh, no, I've been trying 20. Oh, 20. I've just been running the oh. solid 20. What are you a masochist? What's yeah, the matter? No. But I did it because I wanted to get familiar with the system and yeah, I yeah. wanted to learn how they do it and what they. Well, what you they see do, cool stuff coming they, out of the project. Exactly. Yeah. It, you know, I've been saying this for a, a little while now. You're, you're seeing most of the innovation is coming from the Fedora project, like a- ALIGX. Yep. Wait, what? What? Wait, that, no. <laughs> Well, <laughs> random assortment of letters. Yeah. <laughs> don't you guys remember? Don't you guys remember ALIGLX versus XGL, and those were the two backend compositors, and then you read Compass Fusion on top of that. Come oh, on, yeah, it's not yeah, that yeah, old yeah, of a yeah. reference. Okay. Uh, Jeez. <laughs> um, but what, what I'm saying is that you know, Red Hat and through Fedora is pushing most of the innovation in Linux that I'm seeing, other than Canonical with their thing. Yeah. What? Yeah, I know, yeah. right? Oh. <laughs> no, unless Popey's what? here, we pretend like Canonical doesn't do oh, anything. Okay, so yeah. anyways, that's some British company, I don't know. Um, but <laughs> I kid. Wow. Yeah. Um, no, I see. Where you, but yeah, they're pushing, the, they're they're pushing, pushing things the forward, and you wanted to be there. You wanted yeah, to see I wanted it. to see what, what it was like. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, sadly, I think that as far as they push it, it doesn't run as well on my hardware for some reason. Um, I've got a little bit more experimentation to do, but so maybe back to a different distro for you, perhaps Archer Ubuntu. I don't know. Have you considered trying twenty one just to see what runs better? I might. That's, yeah, you've that's got a, this weird UI things. leg thing that happens from time to time. Yeah, that is really strange. That would drive me crazy. It, yeah, it's like no, and I can watch it in like HTOP or something or even top, and it's like I I get this random spark spike from GNOME Shell, the GNOME hmm. Shell process, and it shoots up to like thirteen percent and back down. And then 30% back down. And that's GNOME 3.12, right? That's GNOME 3.12. Stable. Hmm. Stable. Yeah. I don't know why it's doing that. It just is. Have you uh, have you played it all with Corora? Which I is a have, sort of a respin of Fedora with some... I have some... not. All, all it really does is include RPM Fusion and a few RPM Fusion and like uh, Codex and like Flash. And yeah. All of which come from RPM Binary Fusion. drivers. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah. It just makes it a little bit easier to get yeah, going. It, it does. It definitely is a time saver. Mm-hmm. I have yet to actually try it, but it's not a bad idea. Just yeah. try it around. Try it out. I'm looking forward to it. We'll have a review of Fedora 21 whenever they eventually ship it. They've just delayed it again. Yeah. So... <laughs> uh, it's been two weeks delayed so far, and uh, yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I don't know. All right, Matt. Well, I think that was everything we were going to cover in today's episode. You know, we'll have episode uh, 330 of the Linux Action Show on Sunday. Wow. So that'll be a big show. Yeah. <laughs> Huge. That's a lot of shows. That's, wow. That's show, show after show after show. Um, so if you'd like to get a hold of us, we'd love to get your feedback. Over to jupiterbroadcasting.com. Click the contact link and choose Linux Unplugged from the dropdown or maybe even better. Be part of the in crowd. LinuxActionShow.reddit.com. LinuxActionShow.reddit.com. Great place for comments, feedback. What? What were you saying? Open Media Vault. Oh, God. Yeah. We we're going to do an Open Media Revolt review. Yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, Jeez. Nice. We better do that before we go. I can't. <laughs> 
these shows, these shows, wow. have been, these have been going long. These oh, shows felt like a marathon today. It has been a marathon. Long, we can do it next week. No, we'll no, no, no. We said we'd do it. We can do it, right? I mean, we should do uh, it. We should. We, we should probably. Uh, we should probably get it done today. So let's start with with Open Media Vault. Now, the Open Media Vault uh, is. It's something that we've had many requests to review on the show, and it's something I haven't gotten around to because I'll be honest, I'm pretty happy with my FreeNAS setup. Pretty happy with my yeah. FreeNAS setup. Uh, but I'd like to hear well, – maybe you guys can convert me away. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, Wimpy, <laughs> do you want to start on the uh, – because I know you gave it a, a kick the tires. I'm not sure who else in the mumble room today got a shot, but Wimpy, I'd love to hear what your thoughts were with it and maybe what your use case was. Right. Well, I, I run Open Media Vault at home. I've got two Open Media Vault servers. I've got one which is the current stable version, which is 0.5, and I've got um, the what will be the 1.0 release, which is coming up soon, running on the other box. And primarily, I'm using that for NFS and Samba sharing, and uh, Plex Media serving, and uh, torrenting ISO images, and uh, just about everything you can imagine um, is, is there's a plugin for everything. Nice. So the 0.5 version is sits on top of uh, Debian Squeeze base OS, and the what will be the 1.0 release sits on a Debian Wheezy base. So uh, you can install from an ISO image. It's a uh, super simple. It's preceded, so you put the ISO in. It tells you it's going to trash all your disks which it does um, <laughs> and then you end up with an install and you can boot into the web UI you manage everything from the web UI and it does ev- if you've ever used any of the very free NAS looking yeah well the, the guy that started open media vault actually departed from the free NAS project Interesting. so he was one of the original free NAS developers um, and they had some sort of disagreement. I'm not quite sure what the details were, but the guy that's doing this is a, a, a refugee from Freenet. <laughs> refugee. <laughs> <A> refugee. <laughs> wow. What was the file system? Um, well, you've got a choice. So when you when you actually create your disks, um, it's got Linux um, software RAID on there. I'm talking about the stable version at mm-hmm. the moment. Um, there's a plugin for LVM. And then you can choose um, any of the file systems with the exception of um, ButterFS, which is not available in the stable version because in Squeeze, that's really, really experimental. Mm, I hear hear talk, I I don't know how far along it is, that they're working on a plugin for the 1.0 release to natively support ButterFS without the use of LVM and um, software RAID so that you could go completely to ButterFS. But I don't know if that's definitely happening or how far along it is, but I've seen several references to it. So There's, There has been some talk about ZFS as well, but I can't quite ah. tell whether they're serious about that or not. So when you uh, so disk management, adding additional storage, sort of like if you wanted to go Drobo on this thing and just sort of add disks over time, sounds like I'm kind of falling back on traditional disk management utilities in Linux to add capacity and grow volumes and things like that? Only if you want to. So, for example, um, I think you've talked about uh, Snap Raid in one of the shows mm-hmm. uh, gone gone uh, some while ago, and yeah. also Grey Hole. So you can you can also use Snap Raid and Grey Hole if you want to instead of um, traditional uh, Raid solutions. Okay, that's not bad. I like that. Huh. Yeah. I mean, there's there, I mean, like I said, there's plugins for everything. There's some boring stuff. The, and the plugins yeah, would be things like, uh, like uh, um, um, I would assume Plex. things like Plex, Backup, stuff like that. Well, let's look what I've got at the moment. So at the moment, I've got 
Uh, hang on a sec. Let's bring it all up. And I'm sure sync tools too, right? I'm sure that's another. Yeah. So I've got I've got BitSync installed on there. So when you install the plugin, it installs BitSync as a as a service as a daemon, and then has a, a UI that then integrates into the web UI of the mm. uh, Open Media Vault thing, Ooh. and you can, uh, you know, put your shared secrets in there and all that kind of stuff. Actually, I would say the UI looks a little nicer than FreeNAS. It, it yeah. look, definitely um, looks cleaner. Yeah. I've got uh, a plugin for Calibre. I've got one Ooh, really? for wow. potato, cool. another one for cups, Ooh, wow. uh, another one wow. which is just a generic downloader, which I use for grabbing um, torrents and web links and stuff like that and YouTube videos. Um, it's got the uh, you know, web, web front end for navigating your file system. Like I said, if you want it, it's got Greyhole, which is an alternative storage pool, um, you know, file system manager, um, headphones. Uh, mini DLNA I use um, for streaming to amps and stuff that only speak DLNA. Um, and then uh, there's a MySQL plugin, an Nginx plugin. Uh, oh, you'll like this one. There's um, own cloud plugin. Ooh, oh, cool! Wow. Um, open Open VPN. Sold. Yeah, this yeah, is sounding really good. This is sounding really, really good. Um, uh, Roundcube mail server. Wow. Wow. Uh, and then our snapshot, which I t- t- touched on earlier, and then SabNZB and Sickbeard. And all of these <laughs> all of these plugins, they don't just install a bit of software, but they actually have a, a front-end GUI that integrates into the Open Media Fault web UI. Oh. This is sounding killer. To take a box so, and dedicate it to this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, 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 um, so it, runs, it all runs through the, the, the browser? So you, it yeah, like yeah. You, oh, this sounds awesome. And then it, it looks like the uh, browser management software also will go out and update the plugins too. So you can get... You it can, does, yeah. It has an update so, manager. It's, it's like a front end to apt, basically. So there's there's a, a an update manager. Um, I mean, there's another plugin here. I've used it a bit. There's one for VirtualBox, so you can create virtual machines on, on there. Um, wow. Transmission no plugins. Way. Um, VDR for um, DVB and uh, DVBS and DVBT. What's it using mission. for a base? It's all Debian. Wow. So this is one of the reasons okay. I like it because yeah. although I've got the Cups plugin installed, um, I've got I think Google call them a classic printer, which basically means <laughs> not, a, not a cloud print enabled printer. Mm. Oh, but because brilliant. it's because it's all just Debian underneath. I've been able to, someone's written a, a, a native Linux implementation of the Cloud Print API, which sits on top of Cups. So I've been able to install that on my um, Open Media Vault box to turn my classic printer into a Cloud Print printer. Cool. So now we can print nice. from our Android phones and tablets. Oh. Oh, and that's, that's cool. you know, because it's straight up Debian, wow, I, I can do everything for... on the box, you know, that I would want to do. I was just looking it's for a... a solution for that. Yeah, I was thinking about the same thing. So is that, is that scratch, also scratch kind of how finish. you got Plex running on it? Uh, Plex is just a plug-in for Open oh, Media Vault. Oh, this is so cool. Yeah. Like, wow. Okay. So yeah. wow. The, standard, the standard plugins, there's maybe a, uh, about a dozen. There's then a website. It's omv-extras.org, oh, and this right is now. where the this is where the community publish their plugins, and this is where you get all the um, all the good stuff from. Omv-extras.org. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I'm looking at this. This is great. And you can see they've wow. got sta- stable testing and unstable repositories. WordPress. Uh huh. Oh, this is this is pretty awesome. This actually, brilliant. There's pale, There's couch potato. That's where they're see, right there. Can you see why I keep banging on about it? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow. Um, Don't stop either. Yeah. This share, is... WordPress, Mumble paper. server if you want it. A Mumble server. Wow. Uh, mini D- DLNA. Woo. I can't believe it. That- 
Round cube. I mean, round cube. That wow, you run your mail so wrong. Me likey. Yeah, yeah that is really this cool. This is amazing. Makes me want to put on a uh, droplet too for some of the mail features. I know, right? Oh, here. That just open up another droplet right now. <laughs> it's gonna so happen. If you want to, if you want to put it on a droplet, I've got wow. some instructions here about how to install a, a Debian system and then overlay. Oh. Um, mm. uh, I'll awesome. paste it in the IRC now. Cool. I'll grab nice. that. So you could nice, nice. you could convert so you can convert you can an convert existing Debian, Debian install. You can convert a base Debian Wheezy into an Open Media Vault install. Wow. Score. And they also have ISO images, I imagine. Yeah, they yeah. do. They have ISO images well, for 0.5. Logging into the demo um, right now. Yeah. What, what I suggest, what I suggest is um, create a create a virtual <laughs> box machine <laughs> uh, with one one disk that you allocate for the OS, and then add like five. Uh, uh-huh. virtual disks for you know your raid and when you install it install it onto the os disk and then you can actually go in and use all of the disk management tools and actually experiment with lvms and raid or, or snap raid or whatever and once you've figured out how to do it you know in a vm then you can go and reproduce it on real hardware yeah boy wow i was see i was kind of expecting open media vault to be a bit of a stinker because that's yeah. like how are you going to compete with free nas but it sounds like it's a pretty big contender Big time. The only difference for me with FreeNAS would be, of course, ZFS support. Oh, yeah. But... yeah, ZFS. Uh... I wonder if you could just install that. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I know that in the forum some people have been talking about it. and uh, they're, they're... So I can't quite tell whether the lead developer is anti-ZFS because of his falling out. <laughs> oh, that's good. Right. Yeah. 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 Maybe he got burned. Whether he just, yeah. whether he just uh... doesn't want to take on supporting it under Linux. Um, but I think... At the moment, very much it's sort of the traditional tools and then the um, plugins for uh, SnapRaid and Greyhole, which give you those, you know, right. just that add might discs do it. at yeah. random. That, yeah, I think that would do yeah. it. Might. Yeah, Greyhole, Greyhole and SnapRaid are pretty good. Could I, be I'm a free nice killer. JB Live. Yeah, I was going to say, this looks, this looks deadly. JB Live 3 in the chat room says that he installed Open Media Vault on a Debian install with LXDE, and then he used that to migrate from Windows Home Server when Microsoft nice. pulled the plug yep. on that. Someone saying that there is a ZFS plugin for Open Media Vault One. I I can't see that on, on my system, but apparently it's there. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, Rikai has a link in the chat room right now. So I will grab that yeah. too. So I will put links to converting a Debian install to Open Media Vault. I'll put a link to ZFS on Open Media Vault. So we'll have all of that. Is there anything else we should talk about on Open Media Vault before we run? Performance is stellar, so oh, wow. I've got really, really humble That's hardware, good. and I'm using it as a Plex server, and it does uh, real-time HD transcoding oh, to my robot wonder boxes. How, wonder how it would run on my netbook server thingy. Yeah. What server. sort of processor have you got in it? It's an Atom seven. N270. Um, it's okay, that's, pro- that's probably better than... Hang on, let me just find out. I've got something <laughs> terrible. Wow. wow. What, do you got a couple I've, gigs of RAM on it? You're I've got right. um, AMD Turion um, oh, yeah. 2 oh. Neo. So, so yeah. Yeah, so yeah. mine is more powerful. <laughs> uh, so This is all cringing. Well, the other thing I was going to... So, one of the... What about... Um, it's good and bad. Like, on FreeNAS, when you install a plug-in, they're sandbox. They're isolated, in a sense. Um, but on Open Media Vault, when you install Plex, is it able to see all of your file shares and and because to me, one of the disadvantages of the way FreeNAS does it is then I have to do like this funky way to mount my data into that plugin yeah. or into that jail. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. 
Right. What if Open so, Media Vault could just see the file system? That would actually be better for things like Plex or BitTorrent Sync. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's how it works. So um, in the UI, you have a section for um, physical disks, which is just you know all, all your all your drives. From there, depending on how you want to set it up, you use either LVM or RAID or snap raid or whatever and then you end up with some file systems and th- those are the things that you actually format with your, okay. with your file okay. system of choice right. and from there using the ui when you're in plex and it embeds the plex ui in the in the tool um you can point it at anything that the os can see but by default it wants to use one of the me- one of the media shares as they're so called okay um, yeah so i i create a file system on there, I create a shared folder called music, and when I go to Plex, I say add music. the media music, yeah. and off it goes. But Easy. you can point it, you can point it at anything okay. in the system if you wanted to. Okay, That's interesting. Cool. That's There's cool. not. I, I don't even see a tool that that I would want that is not in the plugins page that you reference. Ah. The OMV extras. I mean, it's this pretty awesome. Yeah, and I've I've ju- someone's just posted in the chat room, and I found it. Um, in the 1.0 version that I'm running, you have to enable the ZFS repository, Repo. Repo. and now and now the plugin shows up. Okay, yeah, Rick had just posted more up-to-date instructions as well. That's awesome. Putting links to all this stuff in yeah. the show notes for folks that are listening on the download, so you guys can grab that. Wimpy, thanks for the review. Anybody else in the yeah. Mumble Room have any uh, Open Media Vault uh, experience to chime in with before we run? Is that... And that's a good cover. We got great coverage from Wimpy, so yeah. yeah. I'm gonna tell you, I'm, Wimpy. I'm gonna be checking it out. So thank you very much for, You're for welcome. filling us in on that. And uh, keep us posted as you uh, discover new things or try new things with it. Let us know how it goes. You'll be, could you mind being our uh, Open Media Vault correspondent? <laughs> uh, that's absolutely fine. <laughs> okay, um, good. Along yeah. with Ubuntu Mate, yeah. Mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just add it to the list. Wimpy. Yeah, it's good. just a few. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. Um, okay, so that will bring us to the end of today's episode. Don't forget we do Linux Unplugged live like today. Boy, was today live. Wow. Go over to jblive.tv. We usually start at 2 p.m. Pacific, but jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar has that in your local time. And uh, if you don't join us uh, for next Tuesday, at least show up on Sunday for the big show. Linux Action yeah. Show Sunday, 10 a.m. Pacific, jblive.tv. Matt, that's going to wrap us up. Have a great right. week. And, uh, yeah, you too. I'll see you on Sunday for episode three hundred and. 30. That's crazy. Eric, thank you for joining us in the studio. It was great. Anytime. And uh, thanks for joining me earlier today. If you guys want to watch our coverage of the uh, iThing event, the, it'll be posted on Jupiter Broadcasting. It might not be on YouTube because they're pulling our crap down like crazy. Uh. But you can hear Eric's commentary and insights as well as mine in the mumble room from today's event. If you'd like yeah. to catch that in Tech Talk Today, episode 55. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Linux Unplugged. We'll see you right back here next Tuesday.
I, I, I learned about Open Media Vault. Yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah. crazy cool. That was way cooler than I was expecting. I'm gonna have to, you know, yeah. I've only covered like half the plugins as well. I mean, there's just so much to it. And there's 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 a bunch built into the, the stock uh, I just, system. I mean, just reading that page is absolutely nuts. There's nothing I could think of that I would want from a, you know, a network and attached storage. That and they're the there. community contributed ones. There's a whole heap of useful stuff built in. So I'm, I've got the you know UPS monitoring on mine. Yeah, I saw that too. That's in. cool. Hey, Wimpy, um, I forgot but, to ask this. It would be something that I could stick to a virtual machine and just play with for a while before I actually install yeah. it on re- oh, real yeah. metal. When, when, when I first got started with it, I did it all in VirtualBox. I created oh, okay. five, five drives, one for the OS, so, four for uh, pretend you know discs and i you know raided them and stuff in in open media vault